everybody. Welcome back to the Multiverse Movie Podcast. We're here for part three of the second annual 666 Weeks of Horror. With me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, George Rogers. Hello, Dean. How are we doing on this fine, fine Sunday? Uh, indifferent. Saints won, but the Bucks lost, so I don't know how to feel. Um, so, But I'm winning in fantasy. <clears throat> Uh, and I'm slated to win. I might actually be the highest scorer this week. We'll see how things play oh, out. Oh, nice, nice. So we'll see. Um, right now, I think our our the guy uh, our our friend. Well, not my. I've never met Jackson, but Jackson is currently leading in that department. But I'm only slated to get one point less than him, so it could absolutely, depending off my players have a big week. I could I could become the top scorer, which would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But um, so here we are. Oops, my bad. Sorry, that was me. Yeah, that was me too. It was so, ESPN, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was a fantasy yeah. app. Um, so here we are, uh, and we're going to do a movie that I think gets a lot of hate. And I think I understand why it gets a lot of hate, because, you know, I watched it last night, uh, Saturday night, and we're recording this on Sunday. Um, <clears throat> and I understand the hate it gets, because this is a movie I've always very much like. We're doing Event Horizon, everybody. Um, and this is a movie I've always really liked, but it needed more. You know what I mean? It's only 90 minutes long. And then if you go back and read the rumored deleted scenes, because there is apparently a director's cut out there of this movie, but for some reason, Paul W.S. Anderson and uh, the producer's name, um, Lawrence. um, Lawrence Gordon. Lawrence Gordon, for some reason, just have no desire to put out a director's cut of this movie. Well, here's the thing. It's because a lot of that footage is lost or destroyed. Well, then there was another interview. I actually, when I was doing some scouring last night, after when I was just laying in bed after I watched the movie, apparently he there is a, uh, they did find a VHS copy of the original cut of the film, but even then they were just like, no, we're not going to do it. I mean, they would expand on a lot of scenes that should be expanded upon, like you like the the. The, the hell orgy as we'll get later into the movie we'll talk about that because that's what when they actually uh, when they actually descramble the uh the video from the old crew that's what is happening it's like a it's like a you know an orgy going on but you would actually really be able to see what happened to that crew you know and there's a lot we'll read them off at the end too as we as we you know finish up the actual review we'll actually a lot of them on the wikipedia page and we'll read them off and stuff like that but um yeah, this is a movie I've always liked. Um, and but like I said, it's 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 a very it's a very light horror movie because I feel like a lot of the horror elements were removed from it for for some reason. I couldn't tell you. It must be a Warner Brothers movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, this is Paramount. Oh, yeah, it's true. So, um, yeah, George, when was the first time you saw this? Did you happen to see this in theaters? Did you see this when you were younger? I mean, I didn't see this in theaters. I wanted to see this in theaters, mm. um, but 97 i was 12 that was 10 it's rated r uh i would have needed an adult to see it uh my mother didn't is, does not want to see this movie so yeah. unless i was gonna go with somebody older i wasn't gonna see it um <laughs> so i did i did catch it when it was released on the home media uh vhs and dvd and such and i've always really liked this movie just because mm-hmm. it feels like like it always like i i mentioned this when i was watching a movie yesterday i was watching uh for other horror fans last night on shutter i was watching the 40th uh special for elvira 
So congratulations on 40 years for Elvira. Ah, yes. Um, and one of the movies that was on, it was, it was, was a particularly good movie, but I was looking at it. I'm like, I feel like there's so much going on, but nothing going on at the same time. And that's kind of what I feel from Event Horizon. Yeah. Like there's so much going on that you want to know about, but you're never really told. Yeah. We're just given kind of bits and pieces and you're kind of working it around in your head as to what's actually going on. Yeah, it's a, Which, good, I mean, a good way to but, put it. But that's what I like about a movie like this. Like, I don't want, I don't need, as they said before, I don't need Jeff Goldblum coming out and explain the plot to me every five mm. minutes. Like, I kind of want to, you know, watch the movie, draw my own conclusions. And if I'm right by the end, then hey, I'm right. If I'm yeah. wrong, eh, whatever. Well, no, I mean, they, they no do spell done. it out for you in the movie, kind of what has happened. But like yeah. I said, you know, as a horror movie, you, I, I'd like to see a little bit more of, you know, of some of the horror elements of the film. Like I said, when they, when they uncover, you know, show me a little bit more of that, that orgy, you know, um, well, I think, uh, I, I, I think this falls under, uh, under, uh, a, a Dave McRae line of mood and atmosphere because mm-hmm. this movie's got, it, this movie has it by buckets. Yeah. And, um, also for those of you who follow us on the social pages on the Instagram, I did put up the hint for what the movie was. I put up the picture of Mila Jovovich from resident evil, which was actually two hints because she is married to Paul W S Anderson and Paul W S Anderson directed resident evil. Mm-hmm. So for Chris, who kept saying resident evil. Yeah. Fuck you, Chris. I, How am I are- wrong? You put up a picture <laughs> of resident evil. You were wrong, Chris. I told you you were fucking wrong. <laughs> Clown. We love you, Chris. You've been we awful do, quiet we, today, though. We do love you, but you were wrong, ass. Yeah. So, I mean, that was. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why these shows are being tagged as explicit now. Yes. I'm not going back and doing it, but I, I went back to like episode 70. I went to like a round number or 75 and just went started from there. So, as tagging them <laughs> as, as, as explicit. So. Um, I don't so remember when I first saw this. I know I wanted to see it when it came out because it had Sam Neill in it. Um, but I didn't. Oh, hey, Amy. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, hi, Mark. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I just I didn't. So I probably saw it a few years later. I think it's probably on TV or something like that. So, but I again, I've always thought it was a cool movie, and um, I never understood why people were just like this movie's fucking garbage. But I, you know, seeing it last night as I watched it, I get it because I, I feel like there's the movie does a really good job explaining the plot to you and showing the plot to you. But I feel like, like I said before, there could have been more. And I think that's the main complaint of the movie. There just there wasn't enough things in it. So but uh, let me pull it up here and we'll rock and roll. Um, <clears throat> we'll rock and roll. Oops, what did I click? What did I click? Yeah, rock and roll over. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> Oh man, here it is. All right. Uh, released August 15th, 1997 in the United States, uh, August 22nd, 1997 in the United Kingdom, on a budget of $60 million and a box office gross of $42 million. The Seamus lost money. Mm-hmm. Um, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, written by Philip Eisner, produced by Lawrence Gordon, Lloyd Levin, or Levine, however, however you would pronounce it, <clears throat> Jeremy Bolt. Um, music by Michael Kamen, the great Michael Kamen, starring Lawrence Fish, <clears throat> Lawrence yeah. Fish, sorry, Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, <clears throat> excuse me, Kathleen Quinlan, 
um, Jolie Richardson, uh, Jason Isaacs, uh, Sean Pertwee. Uh, there's others too, but they're the big names of it. So yeah, I mean, there's only like seven people in this movie. So. Yeah, well, fuck all, name them all. So Richard yeah. T. Jones, Jack Noseworthy, uh, Noah Huntley, Robert Jezik, Holly Chant, uh, Barclay Wright, and Peter Marinker. So yep. uh, that's the cast. That's the cast. Yeah. There is eight, nine, no, four, nine. 13, 13 people in this movie, so. Yeah. In in 2047, not too long from now, a distress signal is received from the, yeah, a distress signal is received from the event horizon, a starship that disappeared during its maiden voyage to Proxima Centauri seven years previously that has mysteriously disappeared in a decaying orbit around Neptune. The rescue vessel Lewis and Clark is dispatched. Its crew, Captain Miller, second-in-command Lieutenant Stark, Pilot Smith, medical technician Peters, engineer Ensign Justin, Dr. DJ, and rescue technician Cooper is joined by Dr. William Weir, who designed the Event Horizon. He briefs the crew on the ship's experimental gravity drive, which generates an artificial black hole and uses it to bridge two points in space-time, reducing time travel reducing travel time over astronomical distances. The distress signal seems to consist with a series of screams and howls, but DJ, but DJ believes he can discern the Latin phrase liberate me, or save me, being spoken. So, I mean, the movie kind of starts out like you, you get the you get like the text crawl that kind of tells you, hey, this ship went up, it disappeared, now seven years later it's back and there's a distress signal, and this team is dispatched to go figure out what the hell, like what the hell is going on. So the opening, like the actual opening, it, it's, it gives us enough to kind of tell us the characters a, yeah. a bit in a way. Like we know Ensign Justin, you know, he's young and he's, he's Jack Noseworthy and, you know, Cooper, I thought Cooper had way too much uh, charisma for this movie because everybody's pretty subdued and he's just like, ha you want something hot and black inside you mm-hmm. when he's offering the one girl coffee? Mm-hmm. Which I thought, which I'm always gonna laugh. At. I thought that was hilarious. And we know uh, Peters uh, had to go on this mission last second, so her disabled son is with her ex-husband. Yeah, you know, we we get just enough with some of these characters to kind of, you know, it, it. They're not like cookie cutter. Like we get just enough of them to where it's like, hey, this is going on here. Do. This is who these people are. Kind of like Alien. When they go in and you just kind of meet the characters as you're going on. Yep. Which, I mean, I can see where this goes. And then, obviously, we're, 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 we're kind of following William Weir throughout this, which is Sam Neill's character. Um, as far as his name was, Dr. Alan Grant. But, hey, what are you going to do? Um, and we see that, I mean, he's, he's having nightmares of his wife, who uh, has apparently committed suicide because he is always working and he wasn't there for her. As we see later in the movie, in a I guess a, a flashback or dream sequence, she gets in the tub and pops open a vein. Excuse me, I was a little uh, little stuffy there, but uh, I really enjoy Jason Isaacs because I always forget he's in this movie until I see him. I'm like, oh yeah, Jason Isaacs. I do too. Yeah, I always <laughs> forget he's in this. Uh, uh, his so death. Side note. His death is actually my favorite of this movie. Is it? <laughs> yeah, when he just gets blown up. No, he doesn't get blown up. He's the one that gets uh, like dissected. He's hung up. 
No. Unless Oregon. Oh, you who? Jason. Yeah, Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you said Sean Pierquey. Uh, no, not Alfred from Gotham. Yeah. Um. So here's something. Jolie Richardson uh, is the younger sister of the late Natasha Richardson. Yes. Who I completely forgot was the daughter of Vanessa Redgrave. Mm-hmm. Completely forgot about that. Yeah. But, Wasn't um, Jolie Richardson in the live action uh, 101 Dalmatians? Yes, she was. She was also in Nip Tuck, um, which I had no idea that that show went seven seasons or six seasons. Did it really? Yeah, because <laughs> I stopped watching after like the third year because when it stopped being about like plastic surgery, drugs and sex, I kind of lost interest in the show. <laughs> and Maybe it was I get more- it. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it was like it was pushing the limits on FX in the early 2000s and Julian McMahon being Mr. Cool Cat Jack. Mm-hmm. Cool Cat Jack and Pe- cool, cool Cat Jack and Peck's Bad Boy. Mm-hmm. I saw a couple of guys like that coming to my story that I was like, oh, I was like, oh, Cool Cat Jack is here. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the the distress signal, it's really just a bunch of screams in the house. So you yeah. kind of you don't know what's going on. Um. But I mean, we're hearing Latin being spoken, so you can kind of deduce something from that. Usually, whenever Latin's being spoken, the hell isn't too far behind. Um, and then when he's, you know, you have uh, Sam Neill is explaining the reason for the gravity drive, which is kind of folds. You know, it it basically makes it like it's time traveling. It folds mm-hmm. time in half, and then you go through the two points, yeah. kind of like folding a piece of paper and sticking a pencil through, like he did in this. Upon boarding the event horizon, the crew finds evidence of a massacre. As they search for survivors, the ship's gravity drive activates, briefly pulling Justin into the resulting portal, causing a shockwave that damages the Lewis and Clark, forcing the entire crew to board the event horizon. Justin emerges in a catatonic state, traumatized by what he saw on the other side. He attempts suicide by decompression, but is saved by Miller, forcing the crew to place him in stasis. So yeah, so it's... Was it it's Miller, Peters, and Justin go aboard the ship to find out what's going on? And when we're clearly once going, he's like, "No, I should go on that ship." It's like, "No, I need you here on comms. Like, yeah. let us go do our thing. You stay here and you know be Sam Neil." He's like, oh, "Okay." So they're kind of going along, and Justin ends up down by the gravity drive, which starts kind of moving. Uh, and then it opens up after a bunch of lights and he's doing what anybody in a horror movie does. And they see something they don't understand, putting his hand out and touching it. Then he gets pulled inside. Cooper is then dispatched to go get Justin out, which that's actually a really good shot when he's, uh, when Cooper's traveling along the lifeline through that, uh, through that tunnel that looks like the meat grinder. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, I, that was a really good shot. Yeah. As this movie goes on, there's some shots that I'm like, this is questionable. Mm-hmm. And but the CGI isn't all that great either. But it, again, it's again, it's we 1997 always... CGI. So. Exactly. Yeah. So Justin wow. emerges and he is just completely just nothing, just dead to the world. He's got nothing. The um, but because of that portal, the shockwave that goes through to sit, you know. Damages Lewis and Clark, so they have to try to fix that. But while they're doing that, the rest of the crew is stuck on the event horizon. And we kind of get some images. Peters gets an image of 
seeing her son. Yes. Sitting on the sitting on one of the medical tables. He's got lesions on his legs. Right. I know nothing about what the hell is going on with this kid. Yeah. I mean, I know like when we see him, like he's in a wheelchair. Well, well, then again, I mean, that's probably part of some of that lost footage. I, I, I think yeah. I remember seeing that last night as I was scrolling around that uh, I think I think a lot of lo- the, the lost footage is pretty much just stuff that it's expanding on a lot of the things in the movie. And again, we'll talk about it at the end here. Yeah, that was one of the that was uh, one of the things I'm like, well, like, I mean, I, 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 I get she's like wants to be around her kid. Mm. But at the same point, it's like, why all this guilt? Like, am I, are, 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 are we missing something? You know, is, is she the reason why he's in that wheelchair? Yeah. We don't know. We'd like to know clearly. Um, but Justin ends up getting up out of medical and goes into the airlock. And he's talking about his, you know, the, the things I've seen, um, you know, I'm not going back there. Stuff like that. And then once he activates the airlock, he then kind of snaps too. He's like, Wait, what's going on? Where am I? And then he starts decompressing it. I mean, it's not good CGI, but it's good CGI for what it was in 97. Yeah. Where like his veins start to, you know, where his veins are bulging inside his arms and like blood starts shooting out of his eyes and out of everywhere. And then uh Lawrence Fishburne, Captain Miller, ends up saving him, but he's just he's so fucked they have no choice but to kind of put him in stasis. So they really have no idea what's going on like they know there's some bullshit going on in this ship but they really can't figure it out mm-hmm. the team begins to experience apparitions of individuals from the past that only they can see hallucinations corresponding to their fears and regrets miller sees Corrick, a subordinate he was forced to abandon to his death peter sees her son whom she left with her ex-husband with his legs covered and bloody lesions and Weir sees an eyeless version of his late wife who committed suicide, urging him to join her. The crew soon discover a video log of the Event Horizon's crew fornicating and mutilating each other shortly after first engaging the gravity drive. The video log ends with a shot of the Event Horizon holding out his own eyes, gouged from the sockets, speaking the complete Latin phrase from the earlier distress call, which DJ translates to Liberate Tutime Ex Inferis, which translates to save yourself from hell mm-hmm. so it's at this kind of point in the movie i was thinking to myself this movie feels like it wants to be hellraiser without mentioning that it wants to be hellraiser because i mean if you swap that or if you maybe just a slight mention just had pinhead in this movie this easily turns into the best hellraiser remake <laughs> or the best Hell, hellraiser sequel with Paul W.S. Anderson behind it. I mean, maybe instead of uh, we are seeing his eyeless late, late wife, he's just seeing visions of Pinhead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can still call it Event Horizon and then just, you know, it's like Been off of the Hellraiser 4 series. Event Horizon. What's that? <laughs> What'd you say? It's just a spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking the same thing too. It's very, it's very Hellraiser-ish. Mm-hmm. But it's so good though. Oh, it is. And yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, as we see, but we don't see everybody's fears. Like, like Stark survives this movie, but you really don't see much of her in this movie. You see, like a little bit here and there, and there she is. All of a sudden, you're like, oh yeah, she's still alive. Yeah, that's true. But you kind of forget about it. Yeah, I agree. Because you, you, you really only see that Miller and, and, and Miller tells DJ 
that you know he tells him a story of Korik and and DJ's like oh I didn't know that and he's like I never told anybody that so like the ship knew mm-hmm. so it's clear that you know when the gravity drive activated to you know fold time in on itself or fold the space time in on itself it uh, opened a portal to hell mm-hmm. clearly because what would hell be without a uh, a, a mutilating orgy and some Latin all the Latin. Mm-hmm. All the Latin you could take and a little more. So, all right, let me continue on here. Deducing that the ship's gravity drive opened a gateway to a hellish dimension. That's what I just said. (laughs) Outside the known universe. And that the event horizon has somehow attained sentience. Miller decides to destroy the event horizon and orders an evacuation. Peters is lured to her death by by a hallucination of her son. Weir, who has gouged who has gouged his own eyes out is now possessed by the evil presence and uses an explosive device to destroy the Lewis and Clark. The explosion kills Smith and blasts Cooper off into space. Weir kills DJ by vivisecting him and corners Stark on the bridge. Miller confronts Weir who overpowers him and initiates a 10 minute countdown until the event horizon will return to the other dimension by activating the gravity drive. So, the movie kind of crawls for a bit and then it immediately jumps up to running speed because mm-hmm. now we're getting this, you know, um, you know, the, the, the ship has gained sentience. It's like, all right, we're destroying this. And then we're like, no, it, it's, it's my ship. We can't do it. And he's like, you know, you're either, it's, it's like either you come with us or you're walking home. And then he, he kind of backs into the shadows. He's like, I am home. Mm-hmm. And that he says, so he's clearly, so he's clearly been lured to this ship because he, it, it, it's his creation. He created it. Yeah. So it almost makes you wonder, like, like maybe this was something that we would have gotten the director's cut. Maybe he used some sort of, who knows, like dark incantation to get this gravity drive to work. Uh-huh. I mean, we don't know. I mean, yeah. he's clearly not really too phased by it to a point. Yeah. But they start going. Then, uh, um, Peter sees a, uh, a vision of her son running and starts chasing him. I don't know why she would do that. Yeah. He's in a wheel. He's in a wheelchair. You should know that's not your kid. Yeah. Also you're in space. Yeah. How did you think he got there? Yeah. He, he didn't join you. <laughs> like he wasn't on the damn ship. Yeah. Idiot. Um, yeah. So she ends up like cl- climbing up some ladder to a room. And it's like, Oh, there's my son. And then just walks off a platform and just falls down and crashes down below by the gravity drive mm-hmm. like did you not see the giant hole mm-hmm. like guess mm-hmm. which works i thought she was gonna survive because kathleen quinlan was kind of a known name in the 90s yeah she was uh she played tom hanks's wife in apollo 13 mm-hmm. um a couple of other movies too She's also american graffiti there you go well, not in the 90s but still What's Zeus that? Rock, she was in Zeus and Roxanne. Oh, with Steve Gutenberg and the Dolphins. She was Patricia Ke- uh, Keen, uh, Keenly in uh, The Doors. Okay, all right. So yeah, so she's had a bit of a career. She's a bit of a no name. I mean, she's mm-hmm. like the third build in this movie. So yeah. Um, and then while Smith is getting the um getting the Lewis and Clark ready. He's getting everything right. He sees Weir and he's like, Weir, get back on the ship. And he just walks away. And he's like, hey, Weir was just on the ship and now we left. And he's uh-huh. like, and then 
that's what Miller happens to look down and sees that one of the explosive devices on the bridge, which they would activate to, 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 to separate the gravity drive from the, um, from the front of the ship uh, is missing. And he's like, you know, there's one of the explosion, there's one explosive missing, get off the uh, ship. And he's like, well, I'm going to find it because I guess that was something he was going to do. Yeah. And then found it with five seconds left and died when the ship blew up. <laughs> Cooper was on the outside. Um, he's blasted off in the space, but uses his oxygen to uh, propel himself back to the ship. So, I mean, like right off the bat, we get a couple really good kills. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then DJ's talking to Miller. It's like, you know, he's like, I gotta get some stuff for medical. He's like, all right, just watch out for weir. He's and then he picks up like the saw. He's like, Oh, I'll get him. And then he just kind of sneaks up behind him, and just beats the piss out of him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, has him down the table, then just starts cutting him open. And then when we see later when he goes to medical, he's just uh DJ is just suspended with his chest opened and his organs just falling out. Yep. So I thought that I mean po Paul W.S. Anderson, when he does his practical effects, they're really good. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought that was, a, I think that's a really good shot, but yeah. So they eventually find Weir on the, uh, on the bridge. He gouges his eyes out after uh, he had that hallucination of his wife. And now he's part of the ship, part of the crew, part of the ship. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the kind of feeling I got from it. Yeah. Um, Me too. Cooper, having used his spacesuit's oxygen supply to propel himself back to the ship, appears at the bridge window. Weir shoots at him and is blown into space by the ensuing decompression. Miller, Stark, and Cooper survive and manage to seal off the ship's bridge. Even with their own ship destroyed, Miller plans to split the event horizon in two and use the forward section of the ship as a lifeboat. He is attacked by manifestation of Korak, which turned out to be the resurrected Dr. Weir. Miller fights him off and detonates the explosive, sacrificing himself. Um, we don't really get a too much of a full shot of Weir when he's all cut up and he's nude. Yeah, we get the close up. We, we get the close. I mean, not that I'm looking to see Sam Elliott hanging brain or, or or Sam Neil hanging brain. Sam Elliott, yeah, I do want to see hanging brain. Yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not like a what was that Eastern Promises with Viggo Mortensen just flopping around all over the place. Out in the fucking uh, oh, what's it called? Um, Whatever. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> sauna. Sauna. Yeah. So Miller starts activating all the um, all the explosives, and ends up seeing the vision. Of course, he's like, "Oh, you're not Korik. You know, you're you're nothing." So, like, I mean, this hallucination is up beating the shit out of him because it's weird. And then he grabs the the detonation uh, or the detonator and clicks it, killing himself and. I guess we are in the process since he was resurrected by the ship since the ship needs him, wants him. We don't really know. I guess he's just part of the ship. It doesn't really tell us too much, but once again, that's probably part of those deleted scenes that we never really got. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yep. Sorry. I'm just turning on the, uh, turning on the AC. It's a little steamy in here. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. take your pants off. Though. Chris, take off your shirt. Chris, take off your shirt. <laughs> I hope when he's listening to this, he's like, okay. He just right. does it. Well, he's I'll like, do well, it. well, I'll do it. The gravity drive activates, pulling the ship's stern into a black hole. Stark and Cooper enter stasis beside a comatose Justin and wait to be rescued. 72 days later, the wreckage of the event horizon is boarded by a rescue party 
who discover the remaining crew still in stasis. Stark sees Weir posing as one of the rescuers and screams in terror. This is revealed to be a nightmare with Stark waking up moments later. Cooper and the rescue team comfort the newly awakened, terrified Stark as the bulkheads close. Finn. Mm-hmm. Um, there really isn't too much to expand on that. That's basically just everything I said is everything that happens. Yep. There's nothing in between that. I really thought this movie was like two and a half hours. I did too. I, did, I couldn't believe how short it was. Maybe I was confusing it with something else. Maybe I was confusing it with Sphere. Yeah, that's probably because Ke- Kevin watched part of it with me last night, and he thought he he thought when I said Event Horizon it was Sphere. He's like, "This isn't Sphere." I was like, "No, it's not." I feel like some I I feel like some people do confuse those two movies, and I really don't know why. Yeah. Event Horizon's in space, and Sphere is at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Also, completely different casts. Mm-hmm. Like wildly different casts. So. I expect him to know a Sam Neill movie when it's on. Yeah. So now that we've concluded the film, uh, let's pull. Let's talk about this lost footage real fast before we kind of tie things together. Tell me something. Um, what do you so, got? <clears throat> so, so uh, this movie sold very well in home home release as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, and the studio and Anderson became interested in assembling a director's cut, but then quickly discovered that the ex- the excised excised footage excised. had not been carefully stored, and much of it had gone missing. The plan to assemble a director's cut was abandoned, and, and instead, a special edition two DVD set was released, featuring one deleted scene, two extended scenes, and a few shots of deleted material in in the included making a featurette um which actually i believe that's the version i saw that was originally was a special edition um i'm gonna hunt that down i think uh known deleted scenes include a meeting scene between weir and the people in charge of the mission in which they discuss event horizon some dialogue of which remained present in the theatrical trailer more backstory for cooper and justin including a stronger explanation for Justin entering the black hole, a deleted backstory of the relationship between Stark and Miller, additional scenes explaining the gateway to hell slash black hole is Miller finding a tooth floating in event horizon, a longer version of the scene in which Peters hallucinates that her son's mango legs are covered in maggots, a scene in which Weir hallucinates that Justin turns into his wife, Claire, a bloodier version of Weir of Weir's wife, Claire's, suicide a longer version of the scene where miller finds dj's dead body with his guts on the table and a longer version of the visions from hell scene during miller's final fight with weir with more shots of event horizon of the event horizon crew being tortured the bloody orgy video was also longer as anderson as sometimes too busy filming the other scenes second unit director vadim jean filmed some parts of this scene Real-life amputees were used for special effects scenes in which Ember Horizon crew members were mutilated and pornographic film actors were hired to make the sex and rape scenes look more realistic and graphic. The film's final ending was a combination of two unused alternate endings that were filmed. One did not have a jump scare at the end when the two last survivors are found by another rescue crew and Stark hallucinates that she sees Weir. Although there is a there was a similar version of the scene included in this ending where she hears screams of of event horizon crew and screams in fear before Cooper wakes her up. 
This was the original ending of the film included in the shooting script. The second ending had Miller fighting with the burned man from his visions at the core instead of with Weir, but this was changed due to a negative test screening. In, 2000, in, in an event, in an event horizon Q&A in 2011, Anderson was asked when extra footage will be made available. He responded never, explaining that much of it is much of it is gone forever. In a 2012 interview, he announced that producer Lloyd Levine had found a VHS tape with his original rough cut. Anderson said that after finishing Resident Evil Retribution, he planned to watch it for the first time since assembling the film. In a 2017 interview, Anderson re reiterated a director's cut will never be released as the footage does not exist anymore. Asked about the VHS tape, he, he said neither he nor Levin had watched it yet as Levin moved to Spain. However, he's still excited about watching it at some point. Hmm. So, I mean, if this cut of this movie exists, but to be fair, this might be an unfinished movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it might, it's, I mean, this is, this is almost, a, this is a 25 year old film, I believe. When, when did I say it came out? It came out in 97. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're looking at, you know, you know, it's, you know, yeah. almost, it's over two decades old. So, I mean, I would give anything to see a director's cut of this movie. I think a director's cut would be widely accepted by a lot of the people. However, I mean, also, I also, I also wouldn't mind reading some of that original script too. Yeah. Uh, it is saying down here that in 2000, and I think I remember hearing about this, that it was reported that Paramount television and Amazon studios were developing a television series based on the movie horror filmmaker, Adam Winger, which people may know from Godzilla vs. Kong fame, is set to pro executive produce and possibly direct the series with Lawrence Gordon and Lloyd Levin, who are the original producers of the film, also involved. So, maybe we will get, you know, an updated version of this story told through a series. That'd be cool. Yeah, you know, a nice, un pretty much, I mean, if it's going to potentially be on Amazon, it's probably going to be fucking rated MA, you know, and that'd be kind of cool, you know, especially if there's people from the original movie involved. Yeah, so. I mean, the surviving actors or or, 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 or the uh, the cast that survived the movie are still alive. So, yeah. So um, what is uh, what is your favorite scene in the film? My favorite scene um uh, it's I don't know if I I mean I think it's just when when Miller shows up in the uh um in medical and sees DJ hanging there, you know, vivisected open, his guts hanging out. Cause I thought that was just a really good shot. And I really yeah. like that because you kind of see because you don't see everything of what Weir is doing to him, but like you're getting the facial, you're like you're getting the facial um reactions from Jason Isaacs. Mm -hmm. So when it happens, it's like, all right, this is what he was doing. This payoff was worth it. I think uh, I think that's also my favorite scene. It's a great scene. Um, do you have a least favorite scene? I don't have a least favorite scene, but I do have something I really wasn't too keen on in the movie. What you got? Um, like later in the movie, after the um, after Weir shoots out the window when he's trying to shoot Cooper. Yeah. And shit's kind of flying all over the place. You get some really like cornball sound effects. Yeah, it's true. Um, that I thought I when I heard them, I was like, 
is this happening right now? <laughs> I also didn't like any of the electronica that was used in the opening and the end of the movie. Yeah, I will say I think my least favorite part of the movie, um, I hate to say it was probably Michael Kamen's score. Or at least parts of it. I don't think I don't think it was his best work. Yeah. So uh, what do you give it out of 10? I want to give it a seven because I like it. But this movie, I mean, it it leaves so much to be desired. I think I'm going to go with six. I was thinking about a a six. I mean, give it a six and a half. I mean, it's a six, but I I do love this movie. Yeah, I just feel like there was so much more that could have been said. Like I said before, it it was too light in the areas it needed to be a little bit. Not like not like grotesque, but it needed to show a little bit more in certain scenes, you know, and I'm going to give it a six and a half. I think I'm right on the same page with you pretty much. It's one of it's 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 a favorite of mine. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, you know, I guess you could say it's a guilty pleasure because it's a movie that was eviscerated when it came out, but it's I, a, do, I mean, I do I very mean, much movie, enjoy this movie. I mean, this movie is <laughs> like straight in the vein. It is a cult classic. It is a cult classic. It didn't make mm-hmm. any money in 97. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was made for 60, made 40. So it's, I mean, it, it lost money. Yeah. Unfortunately. But, I mean, it's a shame because I think this movie, I mean, if a movie like this comes out now, it's at probably at least two hundred million dollar. Yeah, I, maybe I think three. So I think if so it's too. probably, I mean, maybe for inflation, maybe it's made for one. Maybe, maybe it's made for a hundred million. Probably makes two hundred, three hundred, just off of uh, off of word of mouth. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think that's it. Mm-hmm. So, all right, everybody. Um. We will see you midweek uh, again, either Wednesday or Thursdays when we get an episode um, depends on recording schedule this week um, with the hatch down. Uh, we'll have to uh, nail down a day with Chris for Biggie Garangy, and then we'll figure out a day for you and me. Um, mm-hmm. So with, you know, and uh, I'll, we need to figure out Wednesday. Cause I know there was a, we were um, some stuff came up with the scheduling um movies not available for streaming or we don't own it um so we kind of shifted that's why event horizon is here now because it was a movie that was readily available to us um so i think we'll we'll discuss a little bit more this week about what we're going to do with some things i guess we'll go through the we'll go through the list with a fine tooth comb make sure everything is readily available or within a reasonable purchasing price if it's a movie mm-hmm. we want to own so um, and we'll see you midweek. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, hope you enjoyed last week's episode. Well, what, four or five days ago we did. I know we put that up Thursday night, I think it was. So, mm-hmm. um, but um, so we'll see you midweek, everybody. Uh, I'm Dean Holtzapple. I'm you mean you've been Dean Holtzapple? You said I'm, I'm Dean Holtzapple. Yeah. Have I been? Who I don't know. I? Where am yeah. I? What am I doing here? <laughs> How did I get here? And the days go by. by. (laughs) This is happening. This is happening way too often anymore. All right, I've been Dean Holtzevel. I'm still George Rogers, and we will see you in the horror verse. Ooh, Ooh, spook the boo hole.